0: So be it. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Good to be with you. Not only those of you live, but those of you joining us online as well. Those of you that are here in the house, you know that uh, when you came in to sit down, there was something in your seat. Probably uh, saw that. This is a little flyer for the blessing that's coming in uh, just two weeks, believe it or not. And uh, the, the reason we have those on your chair is we're challenging you to go and invite someone to come with you to the blessing this year. And there's details on there, and you know a little bit about that, so please check that out and do that. Today at 4 o'clock, we have a kickstands up for a prayer ride. Those of you that are in full throttle received an email about that, and if you didn't, uh, you should probably check your spam or your junk file and make sure that you're registered with the office to receive those emails. We are going to be riding over to Foothills Community Church, and we will be meeting there at 5 o'clock for prayer time. So there's a possibility that rain will be going through the day. Thank you, Jesus, for the rain Uh, throughout the day, and it's supposed to stop right at 4 o'clock, which is our kickstands up. So don't be shy. Get on out there, and if you don't want to ride your bike, that's fine. You're welcome to drive a car, but the point of this whole thing today is not a joy ride. It's a prayer ride, and we're going to pray over some people and property and a church and families and so we've been invited by God to do this and participate in kingdom work. So don't be shy about it. Let's do it. Okay, uh, please join us on that prayer ride today. We will be having a brand new class starting next Sunday. There was information in the bulletin about that. I'm only giving some uh, announcements today to help us uh, catch some of the things that are going on. So next Sunday begins that brand new uh, study, and it's you know like one-on-one Bible understanding the Bible. It'll be happening right after this service, so it's going to be at uh, 10:30, 10:45, I think it starts downstairs. Information's in your bulletin, so check that out. Uh, It is like a 10-week class, so it's not like you're there forever. a start and an end and we'll uh, continue to run, run that to check that out. We're also uh, not only doing the blessing in two weeks, but in three weeks we have baptism. Uh, so if you're not, uh, have you ever been baptized or maybe you were baptized and you know it was for the wrong reasons and you need to do that, please sign up to be a part of that. We'll talk to you about it, okay? All right. So the uh, the last thing I want to mention to you is that we have posted our uh, wanted for a next-gen pastor for administrative role overseeing our uh, kids and youth and such um, so be praying about that as you know pastor josh and uh, rebecca will be living in phoenix when uh, that day comes and so it's very close approaching so please be praying about that uh, as we begin today in the message part of things i hope that you are prepared and ready for whatever comes our way You have no idea what's coming and neither do I, but we serve the one who does. And he has asked us as his people to be ready, right? So ready is not just standing there looking into space saying, come on, Jesus, ready is actually doing something for him. And when he comes, he wants to make sure that his church, his bride is prepared within and working all around to let the world know that the savior reigns and he is real. Part of that thing that he wants to talk to us about today is our interaction with each other as a church and what God is doing in our life and what he wants to do in our life because God is about transformation and change. Amen? Amen. You have not arrived. I don't know if that's a revelation today. and Maybe you just showed up to hear that one. You haven't arrived yet okay not one of us have we have been called by god to come to this moment in our lives because god wants to deal with us where we are to take us where we can't get ourselves to represent who he is in the right context yep. so as we look into god's word we're going to read this scripture and it's in Matthew chapter 7 everybody in the world knows the first part of this sentence do not judge others everybody knows that i mean i can't tell you how many people tell me that don't judge i don't judge i don't hold that against them well let's take the full context of what jesus says to us so that we learn what it is that jesus is trying to teach us rather than just ignoring what's happening around us and ignoring what's happening in the lives of people around us and ignoring what's happening in our own life amen church let's learn about judging are you excited about that? Yes. We're born with an innate gift of judgment. That's right. Nobody ought to teach us that. We look at people and we already assess them. There was this day that I've shared with you before, but I always think about it. It's because my wife and I were like dirt poor way back when. And, you know, like, not that we're wealthy today, but we're, we're you guys take very good care of us. But I'm telling you that I was... God had invited us into a challenged season of our life to trust him through things without having uh, money. He took care of us amazingly. Just prior to that, uh, I was making very good money. I was working in a secular job while I pastored the church and all these things. And so we had enough money to do like a lot of stuff that we wanted to do. And in that process, I bought a new suit for I used to wear suits to church and stuff like most people did back then. And um, I bought an overcoat. <clears throat> it's cold in Michigan. Right. But I didn't want just a regular overcoat. I wanted a leather one, a black leather, of course. You know, so I had a black leather overcoat. We had this old Ford Tempo. I don't know if you remember those, but it was, you know, very ugly car. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I love cars. I was born and raised in the Detroit area, and so Motor City and all that, I grew up loving cars. I like new cars. Nice. I like old cars, too, but I like new cars. I do. I like the smell. I like all the luxuries. I like, you know, all the good stuff that's happening. So I'm driving... And I was doing a funeral that day. So I had all my stuff on. like So I looked like I had money. <laughs> so I mean that in a good way, right? So I'm driving down Michigan Avenue, and I look over, and there's the brand-new Buick Riviera came out, and I like cars. So I'm like, well, I'm going to go check that out. So I drove around behind and parked way back in the back of the parking lot, not like hiding anything. It's just what I did. I came around the corner to see that and the guy just about ran out of the thing to meet me right there you know like yeah check that out hey i was like yeah i just want to look at it well come on inside i want to show you something else and so of course then the park avenue was the highest buick at the day you know he goes you should look at this park avenue it's pretty awesome and we got a great deal on it i'm like yeah okay so he he says why don't you take it home for the weekend and he gives me the keys right for real they don't do that today (laughs) he thought he was going to sell me right He hadn't run my credit score and he hadn't looked at my income. He was purely looking at the outside. And he thought that if I would take this vehicle home, he was in. Well, I did take it home. I pulled in the driveway. Hey, babe, let's go see my brother. Took a trip down to see my brother, and we were driving all over and like loving it, checking it, showing everybody. And on Monday, I drove it back and parked it, went inside, gave him the key, said, "Hey, I was giving this to take home." Went out, got in my Tempo, and drove home. <laughs> I mean, I was young, and you know, I wasn't like trying to take advantage. I was young and kind of dumb in some ways, you know what I mean? But this funny thing is, is that you know, God's so good and He's merciful to us because of my ignorance, you know. That guy wasn't at work that day. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) In those days, we didn't have cell phones either. So I come home from work, and there's a message. Hey, Dave, uh, the car's here. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, at it for the weekend, man, <laughs> right? So I called him up and like, nah, i never planned on buying that car. And he was pretty speechless, right? You know, like he thought it was a done deal purely because he looked at the outside, thought he had everything figured out and he already had, like, he was not only giving me the keys of that thing, he was already spending the commission check. <laughs> you hear me, folks? I didn't buy the car. I mean, I couldn't buy the car. Shoot, man, that was the, the payment on that car would have been almost as much as I made in a month. It's crazy. See, it, that's a, like a humorous illustration of things, but we do it all the time. When we see people, we, however they're dressed, whatever they're doing, whatever they're driving, whenever we hear what they do for a living, we begin to put a certain status or placement on them without ever knowing who they are. Huh. So as I look at what Jesus says here, he says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. (sighs) Look, man, we can escape all this mess if we just stop doing that stuff, right? So that's good news, but we don't hear that last part of that. (laughs) Now he goes on. Now listen, this is, remember, this is Jesus talking. Do not judge others and you will not be judged for you will be treated... As you treat others, the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. You know, I I used to go to Cedar Point. That's up in Michigan, down in Ohio, actually. I don't like that place, but I would go there to frequent a few other things, you know. Uh, Anyway, so, you know, when you go in there, you've all been to amusement parks and different things, and they have this little guy standing there with his arm out, says, you have to be this tall to take this ride. Right? This is Jesus talking to us. And we're like doing this to everybody around us. We've all set this standard. And we look at people and say, if you don't measure up to here, you don't qualify to me. Yeah. This is exactly what he's talking to us about. He says, the way you treat others, you're going to be treated. The, the standard you use in judging is the standard by which... You will be judged. Now, the Word of God tells us we're all going to be judged, right? We're all going to be judged. We are. Yes, you're forgiven of your sins. No, they're not being revisited upon you. There's a different type of judgment that will happen to the believer than the world. But we're going to be judged. The words we say, the things we do, we're going to be held accountable for those and how we represent Jesus and what he's saying to us. Now listen, this is not the end of what he's talking about here. Jesus is trying to teach his followers something that the world doesn't understand. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye? When you can't see past the log in your own eye. Hypocrite. This is Jesus, remember? First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So now we have to take all of this in context and understand. Jesus is saying something to us as we assess people around us. Understand, that is how I am now viewing you. Hear me? God is telling us something. He's saying the very way you're looking at people and you're measuring them, God's saying, I'm measuring you with the standard you have set. Now then, as you begin to talk about the problems in their life, He's saying you first need to look in the mirror and see what's wrong with you. Because what's wrong with you is way worse than what's wrong with them. No matter what you think. Speck, log, figure it out. This is Jesus talking. And he's saying, when all you see is the speck in their life, you're a hypocrite. The words of Jesus. That's pretty powerful stuff, church. This is one of the foundational scriptures that. We used when we came up with the little mantra that we often say and is printed on all of our stuff, it's on our website. We're not a perfect church. We're not a perfect people. We're here because we know we need God's help and He's provided that help through Jesus Christ our Lord. The reason we make that statement is to help all of us not look at anyone else in the room by way of you need to go to the altar. You need to change what's in your life. I think I just heard you say something in the parking lot. I saw you at work last week. I know your family. You hear me, church? The the thing is, is we've got to keep focused on Jesus and understand who we are and let God fix who we are and allow God to fix them. Sometimes He will use us to fix them, but only after He's dealt with that same thing in me. Fixed it fixed it you following church it's right here in god's word it's so easy to look at people and see what's wrong with them man if people would just listen to me i could fix their life (laughs) right i mean don't you think that when you're looking at it's like well yeah no wonder that's going on look at this this and this if you just didn't do these things that wouldn't even be happening right now you're stupid You know, that's what's going on in the brain as we look at people and they're talking to us about our problems and we're like going home to our own issues. (laughs) Looking right over them and measuring ourselves more on not being that than looking at him and saying, well, I'm not that. So church, like... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah if people would just listen (laughs) we would be a perfect church wouldn't we (laughs) we just did a poll right here and just said hey what does it mean to be a christian at cff and everybody put in all their suggestions and we put all that together and say okay church now we're going to be the perfect church this is all you got to do measure up to this that would be us setting that standard. And we'd be looking at that like, what? Who said that? What does that have to do with it? I don't have that problem. Wow, this church is screwed up. I'm leaving. You hear me? It is funny, but it's sad because that's what's happening across the church today. That's what's happening in all churches and Christian communities as the body of Christ comes together. In what God has called us to be is united in one spirit and one heart. Yeah. On. God has had to teach me through the years because I was brought up in a church that was all about judgment. It was. I mean, all we had to do was look at you, and you knew you needed Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it's seriously, it wasn't discernment, it was rules. You didn't need discernment, it was pretty obvious. If you didn't look like this, you didn't act like this, you didn't talk like this, if you didn't go to these places, and it was pretty easy to assess because there was pretty rigid rules about how you had to look, act, and dress. And therefore, if you didn't, it was like, oh, dear Jesus, please help them save their souls. And as we looked at other church that might look like I look like today, and you looked like today, like, they've compromised the gospel, they're going to hell. (laughs) I'm, I'm being straight up flat serious with you. The church I was growing up, growing up in had already judged you and you were all going to hell. Every one of you. I don't care who you think you are. I'm telling you, we judged you. No one was going to make it but us. And it wasn't that we thought that we were the only ones. We just thought everybody was wrong. <laughs> okay? <laughs> okay, so... What, you know what's amazing is that Jesus saved me in that mess. Isn't that crazy? How God can do that? He's so good, man. He is so so good. My wife and I both gave our lives to Jesus right then and there in that place, in that whole environment. See, Jesus was still being talked about, and the Spirit of God was able to break through all the stuff to call us to Himself. And then He was like, "Ooh, I got a project here." <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's still a project. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, anyway. So, as I've grown with Christ and He's, you know, broken off all, not all of it, He's breaking away stuff in me. You know, as He's like, ooh, Dave, come on still. Like, look how you're looking at that. Look how you see this please look at me. Now, friends, I don't want you to think I'm compromising the gospel. And Jesus, I'm like a hard line Jesus only. There is no compromise on that, right? So I don't want you to like feel comfortable in your sin here and thinking well, I'm I'm fine no matter what. No, we're not. There's a standard that God has set and it's Jesus Christ. Okay, so we need to understand that. But after that fact, there's a lot of leeway. There is way more than I ever understood and probably way more than I still understand. Because as the Holy Spirit works in our life, He's working on me and you to to help to purify us and make us more like Christ together so that we can represent who He is properly. All right. So through these years of learning this, God has shown me like, Dave, first off, you've got to stop reacting emotionally to things because I'm an emotional, passionate guy. Usually that's the way my first response was always emotional. And that's never a good thing. You know, it's great to be emotional. It's great to have passion. But everything needs to be submitted to God, and God needs to use it in the right ways. And so I had to step away and step back from my first initial emotions. So when someone would come to me and begin to tell me the problems that they're having with their spouse... They never come and tell me what their problem is. (laughs) They're coming and tell me what's wrong with their spouse, their kids, the church, their family, their work, everything around them. God showed me like, Dave, don't, don't respond to this. Listen. And understand there's something behind this. There's somebody else that has another story. There's truth. And usually your truth and their truth are neither one fully truth. Not that you're lying, it's how you perceive things. And so when I listen, I need to listen to the other side of the story so that we can fully understand the truth of what's going on. So as we do that, see, that's where Jesus is like, hey, don't, don't be quick to judge. Slow down. Listen first. Listen first. That is so hard to do, isn't it? because something happens in front of you you think it is what it is or you hear something and you automatically set the standard and you have to be convinced otherwise we have this statement in our country you know uh, innocent till proven guilty that is a lie seriously isn't it? it is a lie everybody's guilty until they prove their innocence and no matter what you hear that's what you believe is truth even when it comes out that it wasn't you question the truth Right, I mean, let's be real. I mean, it's happening all the time. We're being inundated with stuff that we have no way to verify. And so we've accepted things for what they are because we're told they are, but we like, there's not even a way to check that fully out. It's news media outlets, social media, you and I and everybody else thinks they have a voice of truth and they're going to give it to the world. So Lord, help me to deal with people in the way that you deal with people and not the way that I want to deal with people. See, the person who is in front of me today, (laughs) whoever they are, are a product of decisions and issues that have happened in their life. Some of them they had control of and some they didn't. You know, when you look at that and you think like the the person in front of me today is who they are and maybe they came from a dysfunctional family. Probably. Yeah. Maybe they came from a church that abused people and had rigid legalistic standards. Maybe they came from a church that taught liberal standards and there wasn't any standards. Maybe they came from a church that abused them. Maybe they came through experiences of wrong teaching and were led down a road that ended up in destruction. Maybe they were led through an abusive life by a parent, a relative, a friend, where they were not only verbally abused, maybe some were verbal abused, some were physically abused, some were sexually abused. You see, We don't ever look into that background of people. We simply see them on the surface and that's who they are. And we've already assessed who they are without knowing anything about them. Some are damaged from generational sin. Some from whatever. You understand? As a pastor, I have to, I mean, I don't have to. I am allowed by God to deal with people as I deal with people and I hear about them and we begin the journey of their issues whatever they are in the moment we begin to hear about their past and when you begin to hear about this event or that event or their, their upbringing or the experiences that they had in their life things begin to make a lot more sense as to what you're looking at right now you know what I mean? There's pieces of the puzzle that you and I don't have a clue about, but Almighty God knows every detail. God is not the one that has created the issues of our past. He is the one who is coming to heal and fix the problems of our past. Sin is the thing that's damaged us. And God wants to put us together. And the way that God wants to use us as a church is to help people get healed well and whole. Right? Church. Okay, but we have a problem because the church is not a healing place. The people that are sitting around you today have a history, they've traveled some rough roads. That are, seriously, like, y'all sit on this side of the church all the time, I know. I know how it is. We find our spot, and that's where we are. And you all sit on this side, and you guys are in the middle. Somebody's at home, and like, this is my spot. Wherever you are, see, the only people you normally see on Sunday morning are those that you are around or you bump into in the coffee shop. I thought that video at the beginning was pretty funny, the little subliminal message about coming and getting coffee. It was great anyway, but see, like we're we're like in this little zone, and so we see that. And there's been times in the past where we start a service and I'm like, all right, everybody in this section get up and you get up and you guys switch sections. I've made people do that in the church. And everybody's like, oh, God, no. You know, like (laughs) we move around and I change the chairs and and the service doesn't feel right because I'm not in my spot. It's like God's not here. I've got to find Him. Because I know where he's at when I sit in that chair. There's, God and I have a connection. If I have to sit over there, he doesn't know I'm even here. Okay, so you, you understand, like, what I'm seeing is we come into that place and we want to find that comfort level. All of us want to find a comfort level. That's why some people come in late to church. Because they're not comfortable even looking at you when they walk in the door. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not making fun. I'm saying it's true. But there's people around you that are either deciding if they're going to follow Jesus. There's people around you right now in this building who are trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus. Some people in this room are still confused about what it is to follow Jesus because they've been taught wrong. They're hearing things that things don't measure up. And so there's confusion inside of them right now. There's people that are walking with Jesus in this room and are discovering the freedom in Christ. And they're beginning to experience the fullness of that. And that makes us uncomfortable. You hear me? See, that's why we say we're not a perfect church or perfect people. So we're saying, don't look around you and judge who we are. Look to Jesus and understand none of us are there yet, but that is where we're heading to together as God leads the church. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is amazing to me how quick we are to talk about people in the church or people that work for the church or everybody, do you remember the the Exodus and the children of Israel? The people would complain about Moses. All that nobody. Well, yeah, I'm sure there's people complain about me. I already know that. You know, I'm I'm the most amazing pastor to some people when things are going well, and then I'm like the product of the devil when they don't like what I do or say. Right? I mean, I'm serious. I've heard it all. I don't. I mean, you can't live in that. So. The the children of Israel, when things aren't going well in their life, the first thing they start doing is complaining and griping. They're complaining about their own life situation, but ultimately they begin to blame the people they're following because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you, and therefore it's your fault that my life is messed up. Now, they wouldn't blame God. We would blame God. <laughs> it's everybody else's fault. Because we're not brash enough to just say, God, you're screwing me over, and my life is a mess, and it's all your fault. And if you're that brash, you're pretty stupid. Okay, but we'd rather complain and gripe about stuff, people, and as we assess what we view, and we have full judgment of the situation that we know nothing about, and we're telling other people about it, And what's wrong with that individual in the church or that leader in the church because, you know, obviously they don't know what they're doing. God's not okay with that church. So, you know, some of us are very righteous and we don't talk about it. Instead, we just have the whole jury and conviction right up here in our head. I know I can't talk about it, but, oh, dear God, do they need your help? (laughs) <laughs> yeah remember what Jesus said remove the beam from your own eye before you get that speck out of their eye there's a reason he said that to us see in the, in the word of God in Ephesians 4 as the apostles writing to the church he's giving us something that we need to hear today the apostle writes and he says therefore I a prisoner for serving the Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling For you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. (laughs) Again, listen to what's being said to us here. As we're being admonished as the church to assess ourselves first. Right? I mean, that's what he just said to us. Excuse me. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you've been called by God. Do you know that you're not a Christian except that you've been called by God? Church, you've been called by God. The only reason you have a relationship with Him that you know Jesus Christ is because God Himself has called you. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. Okay, so always be humble and gentle. That's a follow-up to it. So as we are challenged to assess ourselves, it's like, here's the setting. It's like, Man, you're only here because of God, so obviously the people around you are only here because of God. All right, so we're all on the same level there. Now be humble and gentle with one another. See, we're called to represent Jesus to the world, but not only to the world, to the body of Christ. (laughs) See, as we reflect on the fact that God calls us and then I'm brought to that place of who I was when he called me and now who I am because he called me, you're immediately humbled. You haven't made anything of yourself. God's done it. So, Now as I look at that whole relationship thing and understand that it's like not only is it humbling, but it it calms my spirit inside of me and I see things different. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that did the change in me in our lives and he's at work in me today. So as I'm understanding God saying, always be humble and gentle, remember that the foundation of dealing with others is laid right then and there. Because it's the way God has dealt with me. Gonna continue reading that scripture. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Plural, because of your love. Now he didn't say, you know, give grace to their sins, right? Come on, we got to see this. He's saying they're faults. There's a difference between sins and faults. The faults are my broken humanity and who I am as a person and who I've become, and my personality defects and the issues of of my understanding relationships as I'm growing with God. There's a lot of things that are faults in our lives that aren't sins, but God is working on those as well because He's trying to make us whole. All right? So He's like looking at other people's faults plural because of your love so you understand what god's saying is we're seeing people differently we're not judging them because they're not performing for us the way we think they ought to we're loving them through their own brokenness Hmm, isn't that the way god does it the only way to love is from him because he is love goes on to say make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit binding yourselves together with peace for there is one body one spirit just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future there is one Lord one faith one baptism one God and Father of all who is over all and in all and living through all amen that's God's word he's telling us there should be a united body that is all about him And if it's all about Him and not about us and not about them, we're doing it the right way. And the only way that can happen is when I am basing my view of others in the love of God. And there is no human way to do it. You can't in your flesh. You're an automatic judger. The only way to look at people like that is through the power of the Spirit in your life. You understand, this is a challenge to the church. We're not talking about how you view the world. This isn't about the world. This is about the family of God. This is about the church of Jesus Christ. This is who the apostle was writing to, who the Holy Spirit is addressing in us, is God is speaking to the church about the family of God, how we see each other, how we deal with one another, because it's all about Him. And when it's all about Him, we will be patient with each other. Oh my goodness, man, be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So just, you know that in the past, I don't know who it was, and if you're here today, I hope you've already repented of this, but it's been a long time ago. Someone came in the church and brought me a note that someone put on their car in the parking lot of the church telling them how rude they were for the way they parked their car. Seriously, I'm not joking. I look at this and I'm like, oh dear God, help us, man. <laughs> right, we're coming for Jesus for sure, man. <laughs> Believe me, that's only one thing. There's been a lot of others, but I'm just I look at that and I'm thinking like, Lord, it says be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. When we come into church and we're already critical about the way they're parking their vehicle, I think we have a problem. <laughs> Man, you're sitting in my seat. You know how I park a car? I need my coffee and you're standing there talking. oh lord jesus help us man (laughs) help us lord seriously help us lord man we're supposed to represent jesus god's faithful it's god who is at work in us and what god's trying to do is produce a functional family where everyone's coming from a dysfunctional family I don't care how functional you think it was, it wasn't. No, I'm serious. The best family in here still has dysfunction. We have been. Seriously, I'm not saying you weren't loved, so don't, like, I'm, don't come up and defend your family to me. It's okay. I'm just, I want you to know that you know some of us have been blessed with better functioning families than others, but the best family is still dysfunctional. So as we look at this, you got to understand now that if we look around the church and we're trying to find unity in the body of Christ, understanding that we're all coming with our own dysfunctional faults into a group, and now we want to function together as a group, I think it's going to be a little bit of a challenge, don't you? This is why in that section of scripture I read to you, it says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. We've got to work at this thing. We need to submit ourselves and become part of a body. We've got to commit ourselves. One of the things that people tell me when they're leaving the church is I never felt like I was part. And I'm like, well, what did you do to become part? You know, it's like we want everybody else to include us, but we don't do anything to be included. We don't come to a small group. We don't come to a fellowship. We don't participate in stuff, but we want to be loved and belong, but we want to be asked to be loved and involved. I want everybody to know you're invited to be part of the church. Yes. Amen. All right, you are. You are invited. We want you. You're needed. Stop waiting out there and get involved and do something. Be a part of something. Coming in here on Sunday morning isn't going to ever connect you to a family. All right. See, there's a real spirit of darkness that is the cause of dysfunction, and it's called sin. And so that dysfunction and that stuff is, is thriving in the world around us. And unfortunately, some of us bring that thing in. I'm not talking about our dysfunctions of our upbringing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the dysfunction of sin that is the root cause of all dysfunction. Yes. So, as I see the challenge for me as a follower of Christ, binding myself together with peace and, uh, you know, keep yourselves united in the Spirit, making every effort to do that. I have a challenge regularly in my home how I want to hear my wife how I want to respond to my wife how I want to deal with the situations we're dealing with right you know what I'm saying okay I have an opportunity I can either be one that creates peace and unity or I can bring division and discourse by simply responding to whatever's going on in our life my choice my choice She has that choice. You have that choice. So what God helped me to do... um, Okay, we're good on the time. What God helped me to do and challenged me with was, you know, um, early in our marriage, like I was working a secular job. I mean, like... um, You understand what I mean by that, right? I was working a job. I was uh, going to school two nights a week, and I was pastoring a church doing three services a week. And so it was very easy for me to be disconnected. My mind was always going on all these things, right? And so we made the decision early on that my wife would be a stay-at-home mom, and she would do things from there but to take care of our kids. That was a decision we made together. And so when I come home, and she's been with the kids all day and dealing with all the stuff that they bring into that, which is a full-time job, 24 um, 7. And I came in, a lot of times I was like, Whoa. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm already like dealing with all this stuff in my head in my life, and now I come in and there's this like there's this uh, energy, I'll say, in the house. And most of it has been focused on her. And so she has this, you know, tension energy and stuff. And so I'm like, I got to like, yeah. So I have, I had a lot of opportunities to either be a one who brings peace and unity in the home or one who like separates himself. Like, I cannot deal with this right now. Right? And... Early in our marriage, I didn't deal with any of it right. I'm just being honest with you. I was, I was a jerk, you know, and she's a very gracious woman, and God's an amazing guy. And he began to deal with me and talk to me and challenge me about being the leader of my home spiritually as well as be who I am to my wife. And so I, I use sticky notes today. I use reminders in my phone but I use sticky notes all over the place. And even if I drove my motorcycle to, to work or if I was driving my vehicle, I would write myself a sticky note, on, put it right on the speedometer, put it on my bundle of keys, check yourself before you go in the house so that I had to stop like, and assess myself like, okay, God, I need to check my attitude right here. I need to dismiss this stuff. I need to walk in here as a representative of Jesus. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you like every day I came in and they were like, Jesus is home. You know, They had, right? <laughs> I don't want to mislead you. I'm telling you that I had that to remind me because I wasn't, right? So I had to check myself. And even if I had to walk in like gritting my teeth,